Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three Blues. Three Opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 191 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. It's Merseyside Derby Eve. Uh, we're a little bit late getting this one out after quite a quite a busy week, uh, but the nerves are certainly certainly setting in now um, as we as we look ahead to, to the Merseyside Derby at Anfield. Obviously, twelve days he kick off first game of the of the Premier League weekend after the international break. And I'm delighted to say, joining me is uh, is Paddy Boylan from from the Athletic. And Paddy, how are you feeling? Uh, what what are the nerves like? Are, are you feeling? Have you got any kind of confidence going into into an Anfield Merseyside Derby? <laughs> Probably, I, I don't know about you, but it's felt like this one's been a little bit more low-key. And I, I don't know if that's been because we've had an elongated break a couple of weeks off for the international football. And we haven't really had the day-to-day build-up of players being at Finch Farm, kind of the back and forth between the managers and the clubs. It feels like it's been quite a short build-up and, and, and in, in that regard, in terms of kind of people being back on the ground. Um, so it, it has felt low-key. Um, and, and I'm never particularly confident in Everton going to Anfield, and that, that's just because at 31 years of age, I can probably count on on one hand and still have some fingers to spare. The amount of times Everton have been there and got got the three points, there have been occasions, for example, where I've, I've, I've been pretty confident, and then we've had our fingers burnt. Um, so probably heading into this cautious with a bit of trepidation. And that's not to say that I'm not confident in some of the work that Everton have done in recent weeks. I think that, that they've been a lot better than some of the results have shown. Um, just to say that it's it's Liverpool at Anfield. We, we normally know how these games happen. And I don't think they're encountering a Liverpool side as weak as the one they came across last season either. I think it, it's been quite clear from the bits I've seen of them this season that they've started to pick up. They look, look a lot more energetic and dangerous in the midfield area. Um, and they, they seem to me as though they can going to be back towards the top end of the table this year. So probably a trickier game, even the one last season where Everton really didn't do well anyway. Um, let's just see how it goes. Yeah, yeah you're right. I, th- I think obviously Liverpool's side last last season was probably a little bit little bit weaker um, in certain areas. Bringing in this this uh, it's always it's a difficult name to pronounce, isn't it? It's Sobersly. Yeah. yeah, I mean. I, I was in, in work the other week and, and I heard to a couple of Liverpool fans at the at the two points comparing him to a certain Steven Gerrard. Yeah. You know, so th- this is what happens, isn't it? But let, let let's you know let let's get it right. He's had a good a good start to his career. A Liverpool looks a looks a real player. Um and and I think obviously Liverpool's probably weakest point 
in the last couple of years has probably been the, the aging midfield and they've obviously a lot of injuries, yeah. the likes of obviously Thiago and, and Henderson obviously was never the, the player that he once was. And um that was one area that they had to they had to look at, which is what they've done. Obviously McAllister coming in from Brighton as well. So it's a it's a lot fresher and and as we know, you know, games quite often are won in, in the midfield and Everton certainly have shown signs at times this season probably against Bournemouth more than anyone. Aston Villa away. Uh, you know, I think the in the in the middle of the park, we, we performed well at times. Um, but I think it'd be interesting to see what the manager actually does uh, in terms of his setup because we were just saying just, just before we, we came on about how the Bournemouth game he, he almost stumbled upon the you know this this midfield two if you like with, with James Garner, Amadou Onana both I I thought performed particularly well. The Corey, as he does, just just off sort of Dominic Calvert Lewin, Garner gave picked up a, a little injury in the warm up and, and couldn't play in that game. Um, obviously he's back. Uh, the manager spoke yesterday at his, at his press conference. Said you know there's no no fresh injury concerns. He's back in. Um, James Coleman's back on the grass. Obviously a little bit too soon for him, of course. Um, but but do you think the manager will look at bringing Garner Gay back in? You know, Jack Harrison was was terrific, of course, against Bournemouth with, with a fantastic goal. Him one side, McNeil the other side, and obviously uh, Onana, Garner and Decore. It, it brought a, a lovely balance, I thought, to, to the side. But do you think we might see Sean Dice say, well, OK, given the, the kind of game it is, we want a bit of experience in there as well. So we're going to put Garner Gay back in there. And maybe, you know, James Garner goes back to the right-hand side again. Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is, I mean, you've alluded to it yourself, the, the original plan against Bournemouth was to have Garner Gay alongside James Garner with Amadou Onana dropping down to the bench. I have to be honest, at the time, I didn't really agree with that. I, I'm, I'm one of those people that sees an awful lot of potential in Onana, not just for the future, but I also think he, he brings attributes to the midfield that they lack when he's not there, that kind of brute physicality. The, the ability to kind of strive between both boxes and play a key role defensively as well. I think he's particularly good at kind of recovery runs and, and getting back and kind of almost kind of swiping the ball away from the opposition with his with his long levers. Um, I wasn't particularly keen on that before the start of the game. It, as it transpired, obviously, Adisagay had an injury in, the, in, in, in training the day before, wasn't able to make it through the warm-up. So you're probably correct in saying Dice stumbled across this. That seems to me, of all the positions in the kind of the midfield four and then the two kind of up top positions, that's probably the one you look at and think there is a, a selection dilemma here. Because I think if, if, if Jack Harrison's fully fit, Jack Harrison now starts for this Everton side. I don't think there's any way Dwight McNeil drops out unless there's something wrong with him. Uh, Calvert Lewin up front, I think it's quite clear that even with the signing of Beto, he's still Everton's best centre forward at this moment in time. And I think Abdullah Decore is moving to the point where he's kind of an undisputed starter in, at least in Sean Dyche's Everton eleven as well. So how many selection dilemmas are there? It's probably only central midfield. Most Everton fans would suggest that James Garner has to start. And I think off, off the back of the last couple of performances, he probably does. So it, it almost becomes a straight shootout then between Idrissa Gay and Onana for that final midfield berth. I'd be tempted to go same again. I, I, I think football selection in the main should be a meritocracy. It should be about if you've done well and you've set a standard, then you deserve to keep your shirt. But I'm sure Daesh will pay attention to Idrissa Gay's claims and will almost certainly have an eye on maybe having a bit more midfield solidity in there as well. It very much depends how he plans to to tackle Liverpool this weekend, doesn't it? Because if you want kind of two central midfielders, two mobile central midfielders who are going to press slightly higher and win the ball back and, and maybe have more of an influence in the Liverpool kind of final third, then you go Onana in James Garner, as we saw against Bournemouth, as we saw away at Aston Villa. If you want somebody to do the grit, to do the donkey work in front of the back four, then Idrissa Gay is your man. So I think that's the, t the, the question about personnel is also a, t a key tactical question. It's how does he want to approach this game? Does he want to press high? Does he want to maybe surrender possession a little bit and, and just have people mopping up in front of the back four? Personally, I'd be tempted to go again. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I, I really, I really enjoyed the, the Bournemouth performance, and like you, I, I'm a huge fan of Amadou Onana, and I, I've said it so many times on the podcast, especially in in recent weeks. You know, it, it drives me nuts at times because I have people that sit around me in the paddock, and he seems to be one of the people, one of the players who's a little bit of a target at times, um, and and I think a lot of it's to do with. He looks like probably last season, which bear in mind was was very much a transitional season for him. You know, coming in such a young player, only played a handful of games. Let's get it right in senior football before he came to Everton, and and he looked like he played within himself. But I, I think very much that's just because he's got this sort of big sort of language style. He's got big long legs, um, and and you just think he can do you can do a little bit more, or maybe that's what people think. But I think this season, I think I think his consistency is is certainly there. Um, I think he looks looks much more consistent than last season. Looks a better player, and I was surprised, like you said, that you know before the Bournemouth game, he he lost his lost his place, and there's a lot of rumours around. Was it because he was late for training? Was there an issue between him and Shaw and Dice? But you know, I don't know. Um, if that if if there was, and he was late for training, and that was the rule that Sean Dice has brought in, that you don't start on a Saturday. That okay, fine. That's that, that's what what Sean Dice wants to do. But for me, I think he's massively important to this Everton side. I think he's he's, he's incredibly mobile. He's great in the tackle. I think we've seen at times, he's got a decent passing range for me, Onana. I know, it's, I know it can be a bit, bit frustrating, and but I think we've seen, certainly since he's come in, some of the passes that he's made. I mean, you go back to the back end of last season, Brighton away, lovely ball for, for McNeil, I think was it for the fifth goal. The ball he put through for Garner Gay, last game of the season against Bournemouth, was a, was a, lo- a lovely ball. So I think he... He's going to be an all-round midfielder. And for me, yeah. he's hugely important. Um, saying that, Garner Gay, you know, we know how important he is as well because what is his stats back it up, you know, interceptions, tackles, especially, you know, last season. Um, he, he's hugely important to the defensive side of this particular team as well. But I think seeing yeah. O'Nara sitting as that six almost now and saying to those in front of right, you've got to license James Garner. Um, obviously, the core to, to go and go and play and go go and do it in the attacking third. I can then sit, mop things up, and, and put my foot in. For me, I, I'd be I'd be inclined to keep exactly the same side. I've I've I've, I've got to I've got to say that. Um, and it's not to say that say just a guy again is an important player and will be an, an important player still this season. But I just think if you you got to pick on form, you know we won our last game. We we look good doing it. And for me, there's no reason why we shouldn't start the same the same side. But I'd match I'd match them up physically. Uh, I think the one thing this Liverpool midfield does really well now is it, it it gets between the boxes. It's full of energy. Klopp and the recruitment team there have done a very good job. To be fair to them, in rejuvenating that part of the pitch, which looked particularly stale last season, got got great fees for Fabinho, for example, and obviously moved Jordan Henderson on again. And if, if you're going to do that, then I think you go with a 21-year-old, 22-year-old Amadou Onana or the 34-year-old Adrissa Gay. I think that, 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 that becomes quite an easy question, quite an easy answer there. Um, on Onana specifically, I think that the one thing that frustrates fans and that I do actually get is that I think he's got it in his locker to dominate games. And that, not just for sporadically for 20 minutes here, 45 minutes there, but I mean for a full 90 minutes. And I've... I've I, I remember being sat by some very irate Sheffield United supporters in the press box at Bramwell Lane earlier this season. And for the first 45, Onana was everywhere. He was winning everything and was pretty much uncontested in the, in the midfield. And they were getting so annoyed about this. Half-time happens, come out for the second half, and he, he does play a role, admittedly. I, I still thought he was pretty good. But he certainly didn't have the influence he did in the first half, and those supporters weren't quite as as vocal about the extent to which he was dominating the midfield. So, for Belgium, he, he, he he's still young and he's still learning. For Belgium, he plays not as a number ten or a number six, but kind of as one of two central midfielders. They don't play with three in there; they have a, a block of two, and he does a lot of the the defensive work. Everton signed him, I think, more as somebody who plays number eight who could play number six eventually. But it's great that he's got that versatility to his game and it means that if you're going with a two-man midfield, you've got somebody there who's doing it already at club level and you can allow 
Decore to push on. So it, it will be interesting to see how Dyche goes. Like I was saying, I think for me, it's a tactical decision. It's how far up the pitch you're going to press Liverpool. Do you want to go toe-to-toe? Do you want to win the ball? Or do you want somebody with a little bit more kind of big game savvy, a bit more nous in there just to, I suppose, mop up? Because as we know, Idrissa Gay is still a ball winner. He still does that very well. His, his, his defensive numbers are still very high. Um, I suppose it's just a concern maybe about turning the ball over in particular positions, particularly against an energetic Liverpool side like we've discussed. I think, Paddy, you're absolutely bang on there with Onana. I think he certainly has the physical attributes to dominate midfield. You know, I think we forget because the way he carries himself, he's a very confident young lad, his persona. He almost appears a bit older than he is. The way he yeah. carries, a bit like Bellingham does in a way. Obviously, he's not in the same league as Bellingham, don't get me wrong. But, you know, in terms of how they carry themselves, that almost overt confidence, almost arrogance, if you like. Yeah. And um, I think with Vieira, comparisons being made almost like a Yaya Vieira type where they can, you know, eventually, they, they, like you said, they can control the midfield. I think he has got that potential in his locker to go and do that. But we, as I said before, we forget he's a kid, really, still. And he's still learning the Premier League. Um, and, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I know, I know he can divide opinion, but I think he's typically inconsistent because of his age as well. Um, but I think he'll go on to be a top-draw player for me. He'll go on and be an absolute top-draw player. And I think he showed enough for me in performances for us to show that ability as well. Um, yeah, that- yeah. I think it, it's interesting you mentioned that, Lee, and, and particularly the leadership element, because he's already playing that role with Belgium. He's already taken the armband at times, and I know he got sent off recently for the international side and took a bit of stick for that. But in the main, both at club level and for country, he is seen as a, as a future leader, and a leader in waiting. As I understood it, and I think I've alluded to this before in athletic pieces, Everton had done due diligence on that aspect of his character. They'd met the player and they knew actually everything they were hearing was that he stood out in a group. He, he was kind of naturally an authority, a presence in the dressing room. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why actually they signed him, not only for his footballing ability, but for that side as well. We are starting to see glimpses of it. I think <laughs> one of the things that I know great some of my kind of Evertonian mates is that he'll kind of want to, to G the crowd up every five minutes at Goodison and sometimes like, well, hang on, you're losing 2-1 home to Luton here, just just calm it a little bit. <laughs> I'd actually do something kind of football-wise. Um, you'll need to pick and choose his moments and like you say, he needs to kind of grow into the position. But it, it is important to remember that this is a lad who hadn't played that much football before he joined Everton, is in a new league, is in a new environment and is still learning the game. I, I, I think the potential is massive. I think of any of Everton's central midfielders, he's the one that I'd back to go on and play right at that top level. Is I think all the, the, the ingredients are there. It's just about put, putting it together for enough time. 100%. 100%. Just, agree. Yeah, 100%. I do think, just while you are, I get your opinion, Mike. I, I, I genuinely think Dice has got a decision to make, as, as you guys were talking about then anyway, in the derby. In, in terms of how do we set up against this Liverpool team, I personally think you know it's good to have problems. You know, it's a, it's a long time since we've had you know Dice had a headache in terms of picking players. You know, does he go with like you said there, maybe bringing Garner back in, have Onana almost sitting, Garner almost as your ball winning eight, and then almost are you even risk dropping maybe a Decore and have James Garner maybe even playing in that sort of role because he can spot a pass, he can have a shot. Um, I mean, look, Decore for me doesn't deserve to be dropped because his goal threat's been brilliant. You know, since since he's come back in the side, but I don't want us. To, I I personally don't want us to leave any space in behind against Liverpool because that's where I think in the transition they're dangerous. They're still dangerous. They've got Diaz on one side, Salah on the other. You know, I imagine Jota will start with the middle maybe because of uh, um, you know the, the the lad coming back from South American duty. So. I mean, I'd, I'd want us to stay solid and not even try and go toe to toe. And try and press too high, and then maybe, maybe change it up if we're still in the game in the second half, possibly. But, but part of me though sees this, and maybe it shouldn't do because obviously it's a Merseyside derby. But I see it as a free hit. I really do. And what we were saying just before you jumped on about about the setup is, you know, if he goes with what we had against Bournemouth and 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 sort of then doesn't bring Garnegay back in, you know, which which would be probably a little bit more defensively and a bit bit more solid. 
and then sort of have the, the energy you sort of, of Onana maybe pushing on a little bit and, and, and putting a little bit of pressure on them. You know, I, I think maybe Dice has, has, has got to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we've seen managers go there before, haven't we? With the best will in the world. Martin, Martinez went there, didn't he? And, and he's tried to go toe-to-toe. And I know this is a number of years ago, but the blueprint's there about how not to do it at Anfield. And I know it's a different Liverpool side. I know it's a different Everton side. But part of me sort of wants Everton a little bit. They've got to engage for me. They've got to, it's all well and good. You're saying, oh, let's go there and just try and nick a point. I want to see Everton play with a bit of passion. I want to see a bit of intensity. I want to see a bit of emotion. I, I want to see. I want to. My my Everton seems to go there, and I want. I want to be proud of a, of, a, of a performance. You know where they pull up a fight, and they create it. They create a few chances, and we're causing a few problems. And we showed you know what? It's not going to be a walk over. We'll be we'll, we'll be a walk in the park. We're not a push over. Um, but then the, the other side of me thinks, oh, no. if, if we go if we go there, and as you say, we're too open, and we start leaving gaps, and we've seen it haven't we this season where. We've been a bit ill-disciplined, and yeah. when players either don't press at the right time, or they, they press and they leave a huge gap behind them, we know what can happen. We've seen what can happen this season already. Aston Villa away was it was a prime example of that. It was, it was a shoddy performance against the side. They were a good side, but not at Liverpool's level. Let, let, let's get it right. So it's interesting, really, isn't it? You know, you, you've for me, like I said, I'd, I'd rather see us go unchanged. I don't think you can you can drop Jack Harrison. I think he's got a start. You know, he's absolutely full of energy as well. We know his quality. Um, we we saw, obviously scored a fantastic goal. His delivery is very good as well. I just don't think you can change it. I mean, the Corey, you can't drop the Corey. You know, the, the fact that he's scoring goals, he's pivotal to this Sean Dyche side. His energy as well is really important. You've got Calvert-Lewin, who's fit and firing, looking, looking like the player he was, you know, couple of years ago for me. I think that's as strong as I've seen him. I said this on, on the podcast the other week. I think looking at Calvert Lewis now, that's as good as I've seen him. You know, the fact that he's he's putting games together, fingers crossed, you know, he, he's he's coming through the issues that he's had both physically and mentally. Um and I just think that we just gotta go in with the same side because you must be absolutely full of confidence after that that Bournemouth game. Okay. Bournemouth weren't great of course and Bournemouth aren't Liverpool. But that was a, a pretty comfortable Everton performance. That way, really, they should have scored four or five. Let's, let's get it right. You know, do you so. not think, right, with Decore, for me, as good as a goal threat he's been since Dyke has come in, and the stats show that as well, we're not going to have as much of the ball as Liverpool at Anfield. Decore can be a bit of a, you know, he can lose his head sometimes as well, and he's shown that, right? He can be a bit emotional. Got sent off in a crucial game against Spurs. Okay, Harry Kane fell over, but he still got sent off. When we get the ball back off Liverpool and we win it back off them, which we will at times, we've got to be better in possession. We've got to be sharp. And, and I, I think James Garner is, is a lot more comfortable on, a, on the ball and will keep the ball better than Decore. Look, I'm not saying James is a, he's not a number 10. He's not. You know, I'd say he's a number eight. But, but, but do, we, do we, you know, does he even go with it? Because I think also Garner can spot a pass better than Decore potentially as well. You know, Cavalier making these runs. When we win it back, I think we've got to show quality. In matches against Liverpool in the past, when we've won it back, we've given it straight back to them. You know, I, I, you know, okay, it was an empty stadium. But I look at that first goal that we scored when we finally broke the hoodoo at Anfield, and that pass from Hamez for me is is outrageous. Yeah, I mean, it looks simple, but it's the touch, it's the weight of pass. Yeah, you know what I mean, and then I think that's the type of quality we need to show when we win the ball back off from Anfield. Well, of course, of course it is. You know, having when we have possession, we, we've got to use the possession wisely and we've got to be effective with it. But it's just, I think, you know, the core, and I know what you're saying because he's a frustrating player, isn't he? Because how many times have we seen the core go, go through one on one and miss? In And I'm talking the last probably 15 games, he must have gone through one on one three times and missed every single mm. time. And also when, the, when he gets the ball at his feet, he's all over the place. He just, he just needs to just take it half a second to compose himself, get his head up, and then obviously go, you know, make a decision from there. So I, under, I understand what you're inconsist- saying. Mike, do you not think that is an inconsistency as well? Because, I mean, I've seen some real top draw pieces of technical ability from him even this season. Like the, the finish against Brentford is really good. The one that crashes off the bar, I think, is even better in terms of the mm-hmm. run to peel off, to bring it down and then strike first time. Once, once he's set, the Bournemouth finish last year, 
even I, I even think back to the, the Chelsea game away last season where he, he takes the ball from Mikalenko, I think it is, and it's like a first-time volley into the path of Ellis Sims. But what I think he, because he plays the game so quickly, I think he, he can be quite erratic and there's a, a huge difference between his best and his worst. And I actually think there is a selection dilemma over Decore, but less so for this week, but more for the games where you may be at home and you have 65% of the possession sides are sitting deep and you're trying to pick the lock a little bit i think there he, he thrives in open space mm. he, he's the he's the guy that you you, you use to, to have the energy to get beyond calvert Lewin, your focal point up front and to just maybe destabilize the opposition that way but he's he's, he's less good at doing it he's significantly less effective i think when sides sit in uh, is, is he the right option at home to loot and i'd probably argue not and that's where it's good that guys just got options here because as lee said there's an option here to, even though James Garner is not a number 10 necessarily, you can play him higher, you can press, you can win the ball, as we saw against Brentford. You might be able to pick a pass. I still think there may, may be occasions where they need to, to, to go with a, just a midfield two when they've got loads of the ball and play somebody like Arno Danjuma off, off a main striker and see what he can do in that particular role. Because I'm still unsure Dice sees him as a winger even in this, in this setup. Um, so it is good that we're talking about options here. I, I just, I think what Ducore does when you have less of the ball is is so important because he's he's a presence one way, but he's also your third central midfielder when you've not got the ball. He he kind of drops in. He's he's really kind of diligent in his defensive duties. And the funny thing about all of this is I I did an interview with him in in Evian when we were out in in France on the border in pre-season, and he he said to me, "I'm not a number 10. I know that's not my best position. I, I like to play box to box, and that's where I think I'll be this season. <laughs> so at the end of it, all he's back playing number ten and doing this thing for, for Sean Dyche. I, I think he is both he is both a, a real positive for Dyche as Everton, but also an example of the limitations of the side at times. And it is possible to be both. I think everything that's good when they're on it, as they were against Brentford, um, and as they were against Bournemouth, everything that's good comes through him. He comes up with these really big important moments. But the way he plays also taps into a susceptibility and a vulnerability in possession as well at times. So it, it'll be really interesting to see how that morphs as, 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 we, as we progress. He's, he's obviously he's a, he's a contract at the end of the season as well, alongside Idrissagay. Idrissagay has an option. Um, but then you've got your two hugely promising young central midfielders in James Garner and Amadir Onana, who, who should hopefully be the, the future of the club long term. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I think that's a good analogy that actually, Paddy, in terms of um, when he's good, he's very good. And when he's le- level, when his level's low, it's, he hasn't really got an in-between decore, has he? I mean, I look back at that first game of the season against Fulham. And if he just has, you know, the ability to see Garner on, on his right-hand side, because he must have saw him. You know, I mean, if he lays that into him, it, it, the game, it could be a very different game. We could go on to win that game. First mm. game of the season, easily. Yeah, you know I mean, and those first 15, 20 minutes in that game, we were blistering and probably should have scored two or three. And 
you know, he, he, he lacks that awareness purely because, like you said, he does play the game at 100 mile an hour. That's the way, you know, he, he's constant motion, isn't he? He's always running even off the ball. And when he does get it, his brain's probably going, you know, it's like, the, like I said before, almost the opposite of Hamez, who plays it at two miles yeah. an hour, but then, but then you know, can, can play an absolute worldy of a pass. So, yeah, what he gives this side, though, I, I do think that, you know, playing devil's advocate a little bit, a little bit before saying, I think he might change the three. I don't think he will. I think he will go with the same team purely because of what Decore offers us as a goal threat, because we are going to need to be a goal threat as well. I agree with you, Mike. I wouldn't say necessarily it's a free hit as much because obviously we've been there before and been turned over and turned over badly. And like you said, you, you nailed it when you said when we played Villa, he went toe-to-toe with Villa there, which I think was a bit naive with the team we had and went, all right, I'm going to press you here. And Villa have got Ollie Watkins and Diaby up front and Diaby's probably one of the quickest players in the league, which was absolute suicidal. Having said that, what I do like is when we played him in the cup, he had, you know, Dice gets criticised for being one-dimensional, and, and to be fair to him, he changed it, and and you know, we, we went in with a different formation, and it, and it worked a treat and played really well. I mean, some some guys are calling him for us to set up that way against Liverpool at Anfield. I don't think he will because I think that was a cup game, and he probably saw that as a free hit. But you know, it, it's interesting. You know, all of a sudden that team now, when I look at it, and I think we said this on the pod last week, when everyone's fit now. It, it looks it looks a pretty decent team. It looks certainly a you know a mid table or just above mid team a, a, a team for me, if everyone stays fit. But obviously that's yeah, easier said than done. And like you said before, Mike Calvert Lewin is pivotal to how Everton uh, uh, will finish this season for me. The drop off now is not going straight to Mope though, is it? It's going to Beto. And I think I know we I know we've not seen much of him, and he's not in the same league as Calvert Lewin. I don't think on the bits I've seen of him, it's still. I don't think it'll be as much of a dilemma as it would have been last season. No, no, of course, of course not. Um, but like we say, it, it's it's nice to have these these kind of problems. The fact that we're having the, these kind of conversations and we're thinking, you know, he could do three or four different things here, Sean Dice, in terms of his setup, his personnel. I think a lot though with Sean Dice goes back to trust, and with the yeah. core, he trusts him. I think wholeheartedly. You know, we brought him back in from the cold. Don't forget when he when he uh, took over from Frank Lampard and. And the Corey's repaid his faith from the off in that game and, and ever since. And, and I think that, you know, that, you know, Dan Zuma is another one you mentioned, Paddy. You know, is he going to be a wide player for Everton? If you look at Everton's wide players, McNeil, Harrison, there's basically there's a trust there that, that they can defend as well as yeah. attack. Whereas Dan Zuma, has he got that in his locker? Probably not. No. So he's not really a Sean Dice, Dice winger, is he, to be honest? Um, but, you know, to see him as a number 10, maybe. It'd be plenty of games coming up. You know, the cup game against Burnley, I think, would be an ideal time to see some of these players who haven't really got a, been getting a chance. So, you know, Beto would probably start that game. Dan Juma coming in. Um, obviously, you've got the, the returning Seamus Coleman, hopefully Nathan Patterson. You know, is he going to start a derby? Po- possibly not. You know, we, we've seen he, he prefers to go with was Ashley Young and Mikalenko in, in recent weeks. And I think Patterson... Has done has done pretty well. I, th- I think you know he was un- unlucky to, to drop out of the side. Um, he certainly looks like he's developed from from last season defensively. I think he's always got that uh, that attacking uh, side in his locker. I think defensively he was being a little bit naive, but he's a young player. He's learning. He's only just turned into twenty two the other day. Um, so there's a lot of questions, and it's it's nice to have have these conversations and think, you know, we've got options there. We, we can change things up. We can bring bring players in. We can set up differently as we've shown against Aston Villa, especially in the cup. Um, he might surprise us and go with that formation. He might might go with five at the back. We just don't know. Um, but we know it's a difficult trip to Anfield. We know what's historically how, how poor we've been there. Um, but I think that, that, that win against Bournemouth, the win away against Brentford, our away forms has been pretty good in recent nice. times. You know, we, we, we've got some some really important wins. You know, we always go back to Brighton away, of course. Um, but we've picked up some some decent points along the way in recent times. So I go there, I think, with with, with hope more than more than expectation as as usual. Um, but I certainly think we can pick something up from the game. Um, but that's probably my heart ruling my head, I think, on on that particular point. Um but listen, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really, really, really interesting game, especially after the international break. You know, play, players coming back in. Everton, as we said at the start of the show, 
the manager said, you know, no fresh injury concerns. We, we've got a pretty much a full squad bar the long longer term injuries in, in Deli Alley and Andre Gomez. Obviously, Seamus Common a bit too soon for him, but we're we're, we're pretty we're pretty full. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how Liverpool return from international break. Robertson injured for Scotland from from what I saw, which is, is a real shame. Um, I'm sure for them. Um, but yeah, I'm I, I'm sort of semi looking forward to, to, to things. To be honest with you, I think fullbacks are really interesting shout. You know, because I think Parson can consider himself unlucky not not to be playing right back um, this season. Um, you know, I, th- I think I watched him against Mbappe for, for against France the other day, and obviously France were brilliant. I mean, I know Scotland scored first, but France after that were just levels above and. Yeah, it's good for Nathan to be having those sort of games, you know what I mean? Playing against the world's best, you know what I mean? Mbappe will give any fullback uh, a hell of a time. And, you know, they pretty much penned Scotland in for after, after Scotland scored. And the only way they were really getting out, to be honest, was, was Patterson because his ball-carrying abilities are brilliant. I think that's one of his biggest strengths, isn't it? Is that when he gets it, he backs himself. He's not afraid to carry the ball and run with it and gain 30, 40, 50 yards if the space is there for him. Yes, he's still a bit naive defensively. I think a little bit he needs to work on that side of his game. But I think I, I, I think Patterson, you know, given the game time, will go on to be a very solid fullback. I think he needs to improve in the final third. I think he has got the ability to put some crosses in, he, and he has shown that. I think he has shown that this season. You look at the cross for the goal. Um, was it away at Brentford? Was Bramall. it away at Brentford? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bramall Lane. Sorry, yeah. I mean, that was a great ball that was, and yeah. he has got that in the locker. Um, so he can consider himself unlucky, but it's classic dice, you know. He, he he trusts someone who's, you know, nearly forty to play right back because, uh, you know, he he offers that little bit of experience. And to be fair, maybe in this game where it will be a cold and that won't that won't affect someone like an Ashley Young, you know, he'd be up against Luis Diaz, no doubt, who's who's a very good player, loves to cut in on that right foot every single time and get a shot off. Um, so I imagine he'll go with Young just purely because of the experience factor and and and. You know, I don't think Young has been too bad, as bad as maybe some people have pointed out. Okay, he's, he hasn't had, you know, ten out of ten performances by any means, but I think he, I think he has been pretty. He has got better more recently as well. Um, but it's an interesting conundrum again, isn't it? You know, like you were saying before, Paddy, when we're playing against so-called lesser sides at home, where we have the ball, Patterson should be playing for me. Yeah, I, I thought one of the big mistakes Dyche made against Luton, for example was first of all changing the attacking approach that they had in the first time at half time. First half at half time. I think he, he went gung ho far too quickly and actually it almost was like they pressed the panic button before they needed to. I felt they'd get back into the game if they continued to play the same way and continued to carve out chances. But I also think it took him far too long to realise that actually Jack Harrison playing on the right wing and looking to cut inside needed somebody to bond beyond him. And, to, and to, to, to give the, the fullback something else to think about. And I think as it, as it happened, Patterson only got 10 minutes towards the end of that game. Made a difference, but obviously in the end it was too late and Everton didn't get over the line. I think we saw him play a really good game away at Villa Park, where he was as a wing-back. And he, actually, if you look at where he ended up touching the ball and you look at where he ended up getting on the pitch, he was pressing really high. His, his, his athleticism, his energy, and his kind of his pace off the mark, I think, is a real strong point for Patterson. The intricacies of fullback play and whatever else, yeah, he still needs to learn. I still think, as you say, he could improve on his final ball at times. It's, it's still hit and miss. But I just wonder if, if you're going three at the back, if you are going for argument's sake, then he's your best wing back option in, in that position. I don't think Ashley Young's a wing back per se. He might be might be somebody that can defend as. Uh, in a back four. And then moving further forward, you've got Seamus Coleman there, he's out of contract at the end of the season. Ashley Young is out of contract at the end of the season. Only one real left-back option when you take them out in Mikulenko. So we talk about maybe the drop-off from DCL to Beto maybe not being quite as stark as it was last season with DCL and Mopé. You can maybe kind of get through with Dan Juma coming in for one of the wide players if needs be. And then it's a coin toss at times between James Garner, Onana, Idrissa Gay. That defence is the one part of the pitch for me where you look at it and think if they, if they take a few injuries there, they're in trouble. 
you don't want an injury to Brantwaite or Tarkovsky because I think there is a significant drop-off. And then the, the full-back positions, I think kind of mid to long-term, that there's an issue there that needs to be resolved with, with kind of new options, new blood, fresh blood in those positions. Um, I, I, I think probably Dice is likely to go the same again. I, I'd be, be very surprised if he keeps the same system. It's probably going to be young, isn't it? Um, but but Nathan Patterson is, is an option, and I would argue particularly so if they go go and play with kind of actual wing backs. I think he's the best at the club for that. Yeah, and and you know as we say, the manager might surprise us all and, and go with that with that formation. And and we've got the players now who can come in and and play in the right position. I mean, how many times last season was it was a square pegs round holes, and we were just trying to fit players in to fill in because we didn't have the players. Yeah. After that sort of start, eleven, like you say, the drop off in in certain areas was was massive. But at the moment, the the, the drop off defensively in certain areas is still is still a, a concern. And like you say, the, the big concern really is if we lose one of our centre halves for me, then we've got a bit of a problem because we know Michael Michael Keane's issues that he's had in terms of performance. Um, we know Ben Ben Godfrey's never really returned. I always go back to it when he picked up COVID and he had long COVID and he seems to have lost probably a yard of pace, which was always his his uh, his major attribute, really, wasn't it? You know, get him out of trouble yeah. because he had that pace. And there's a, there's a concern there, but like we've discussed many times, you know, we, we couldn't do it all in the transfer window in the summer. We know the, the constraints, um, and and it's it's one of those where we're going to have to manage. Those areas as, as best we can, and and nurse nurse ourselves through to January. If we can do something, then hopefully, maybe in the mind you can look at things then. But you know, obviously, Saturday's the the first thing on the horizon. It's it's uh, nearly upon us, um, and the only thing left to do is is to have a have a round of predictions if if we can. So, Paddy, what are your thoughts? Heart overhead, uh, obviously. <laughs> heart overhead. If if we are doing heart overhead, then I'm I'm all right to go with a draw. Um, I, I I think you said something quite interesting about free hit, and I don't know if you meant it in this particular context, but I think we have to rationalise this and say that whatever the result on Saturday, Everton's season will not be defined by an away game at Anfield. Correct. That, that's just not the position they're in at the moment. There have been times when, and, and maybe this goes back to the kind of the the, the slow build up and the and the, the lack of anticipation around this from from some quarters. When you think back to, say, for example, Roberto Martinez v Brendan Rodgers, or even Moyes v some of Liverpool's managers, it felt like the two clubs were going toe to toe, and whoever won that game really got an ascendancy, not just for the next week with bragging rights, but for the rest of the season. Everton and Liverpool obviously aren't in that place at this moment in time. It would be fantastic if Everton won the game. Let's hope they do. Um, but I think we also need to remember that kind of as whatever happens Saturday. What we want to see is progress towards the ultimate goal. And the, the, the ultimate goal is stabilising Everton in the Premier League. It's, it's just making sure that we avoid the horrors of last season, the horrors of the season before. Stability. And I think often there, that's about beating a, a Luton or a Sheffield United or some of those mid-table sides. It's not necessarily about whether you, you taste victory away at Anfield and, and Stamford Bridge. That, that's just my opinion. But obviously, I'm aware I'm saying that ahead of kind of the most intensely felt game of the of the campaign in many ways. Lee, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, it definitely won't define our season. But I've seen enough from us this season, even though the points aren't showing it. Um, just think that we'll be okay. Um, I do agree with you though, Paddy. We are a bit short at the back, and that worries me a little bit. I think Branthwaite's been absolutely brilliant. By the way, um, him going out the side would affect us. I like the fact, even the fact he's a left footer, he just opens up the angles on the pitch as well. Yeah. Um, I do I do think your point at fullback is about Patterson bombing on, particularly in that Luton game, to give you know something outside Harrison who likes to come in on his left foot is a good one because I was thinking the amount of games I watch, you know, like Arsenal in particular, very good at it, City especially, but the amount of times when, say, Saka gets the ball on the right-hand side and they, and they, and they you know, they're penning teams in, against a low block and then Saka's looking to come inside on that left foot. Ben White is always, always making that run outside him every single time. And it's if it doesn't go to Ben White, it then goes recycled to Odegaard, who then looks for another angle or gets a shot off. Or 
you know, in other words, they're constantly moving the ball and recycling it and looking for an angle. And then eventually they will get in behind you and it's normally a pullback goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think Everton definitely need to sort of improve in that area in terms of, especially against low block teams who sit off against us at Giddison. We've got to find ways to have concerted possession and then have full-backs getting, getting beyond the wingers and giving us different options. I think that's where we can improve against the lesser sides, if you like. But going back to your prediction, Mike, I, I, I genuinely think the 12.30 kickoff will favour us, 100%, because obviously it's been a two-week gap. Some of their players have been all, all over the world. Um, Liverpool notoriously a pretty slow starters on the 12th. I mean, I'm, I'm tempting fate here, I know. But, um, <laughs> um, but I think that will suit us. I'm so glad it is that instead of a night game. You know, imagine it was a night game. So it'd, be a lot more, it'd be a lot more difficult, even the 5.30 kickoff, as stupid as that sounds, but it would be. Um, and I think if we go there and, 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 and put in a performance, I think we can get a result. So I'm, I'm going to go with, with Paddy. So I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I'd... I'll say a draw, and that, that is me being being positive. And it's not to say that Everton, by the way, can't go there and win, because we've picked up some very impressive away wins in recent times. You know, and Brentford was for me was was not quite as good, but it wasn't far off Brighton in terms of how Everton performed that day. And I just think that Everton don't feel the pressure as much away from home. I know we sort of uh, we got that win against Bournemouth, of course, but I, I do think the, pl- the players do feel it at, at home for one reason or another. Uh, but Merseyside derby is obviously totally different. It's it's almost an, an anomaly in terms of you know comparing it to, to your regular Premier League away match. Um, but the players have got to, for me, play play with controlled emotion. Show that you show that you can compete. That's important. Um, and like like you said, Paddy, you know it's not going to define the season, of course. And we 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 can't afford to lose our heads as fans if we come up, if we get beat, say say with three nil. It's not the end of the world. And I don't, you know, it always stings. It always hurts to lose a game of football, especially to them. Of course, it does. But we've got to look at it in the grand scheme of things. But I I think we can go there and and, and nick a point. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say nil nil. You know, there, there was a the nil nil at Goodison Park last season was a very entertaining nil nil, by the way. So. Um, but I'll quite happily have a really boring nil-nil draw just to get a point on the board. They should have won that, shouldn't they? Everton. They 100%. You know, they more than enough chances. I mean, and, and that Connor Cody goal as well, I'll always sting. That was right in line with me. And, and I, I still to this day can't can't get over it. Don't think those lines were straight. Um, <laughs> the way yeah. he celebrated, by the way, he was a blue mate. He was Connor a blue mate. <laughs> He's just, listen, he was just, uh, Connor Cody, I mean, this, that's another conversation, isn't it? But, what you got with Conor Cody was always he played a hundred percent. It didn't matter whatever historically, you know, whatever club he, he may have supported historically, or whatever links he had to, it makes no difference. And it shouldn't do, you know. But like you say, the way he celebrated in front of it, I'm pretty sure. By the way, he's got family in, in the family enclosure. I'm pretty sure the, that he has, um, and and that was great to see. But obviously, that was taken away from us. But I'd say, as I say, just quickly while you're on, Paddy, just get your thoughts on that, mate. You know, you'll probably know a bit more than us, but. I know, obviously, they let Connor go when they could have got him, I believe, for about four million or something like yeah. that. I mean, it, it, I mean, I know, obviously, financial constraints were tight. Maybe that's what stopped it. But uh, is it Dai showing a bit of loyalty, misguided loyalty to Keane there, over keeping Cody? Do you think? Uh, the way it was framed to me was that the money wasn't there at that moment in time to activate the the, right. the, the purchase option. So I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say it as a binary, it's Keane or or Cody. But obviously with Cody not playing as much on the dice and maybe not being a dice type defender in my view, when I think mm. about kind of an archetypal dice defender, I'm, I've maybe got James Tarkovsky in my head mm. uh, or Ben Mee. Um, Cody's a different profile and played less. And I think when then when you've got really scant resources and it's about where is this money going to go? then you have to make some tough decisions. So in, in different circumstances, maybe Conor Cody would be an Everton player now in different, different financial circumstances. Um, the, the other part of this is that I think as we reported, Everton didn't even spend 4.5 million or haven't committed to spend 4.5 million in this fiscal year from the, from the summer transfers. So that again, kind of shows how tight things were. Um, and it says something that Leicester were able to buy him for a fee much higher than the, the agreed 
purchase option. I think they paid about eight for him. Mm -hmm. That tells you about where Everton have been financially, even in relation to some of these championship clubs. Um, I think the right decision, I think they got to the right decision eventually. And that's not to say they don't need to improve at centre-back. But I didn't see a place for Connor Cody as a starter week in, week out at Everton. I don't really see him as a dice player. So I, I would like to see new options brought in over the summer. Mm, it's interesting that. I, I, I just think you were saying before, say if we lost to, say, a Tarkovsky or something like that, you know, even though he's a juggernaut and he barely gets injured. But, I mean, I just think I'd feel a little bit more confident if Connor was playing instead of Keane. Especially, let's say, let's say hypothetically, Tarkovsky went off after 20 minutes at Anfield. I'd feel a lot more confident someone of Connor's personality coming on the pitch. You know what I mean? And let's be fair, I thought he carried himself brilliantly when he was with us as well. He speaks really well. He's a leader. Every time we were under the cosh, he was always the one fronting it, doing the interviews post-match, wasn't he, and everything else. I think, you know, outside of Coleman, I think he was a genuine leader in that dressing room, wasn't he? We have, we, we have a bit of a laugh about this as media because you kind of know who's going to come out based on the result. You kind of know who's going to come out and speak to yeah. us. Um, so this year's, it's the mix zone, the area where players come out and can speak to kind of the assembled media, normally around the tunnel area. Um, and this season's mix zone champion is definitely James Tarkovsky. And last <laughs> yeah. season, it was definitely Connor Cody and, and James Tarkovsky. They were kind of sharing the role. Uh, that, that speaks to kind of two guys who are obviously vastly experienced, but they're always there to kind of put their hands up when, when required. You, you can almost see the, the on-field personality transposed to, to off the field. And it is it is definitely the case that Everton have lost leadership qualities in, in Conor Cody. Um, I think he, he gave everything. You could see, as, as you both mentioned, how much a potential Merseyside derby winner meant to him. Um, and, and I think he was an asset in, 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 in those regards and more while he was at Everton. So I, I think everybody would wish him all the best for his, for his time at Leicester City. Um, just, just kind of a good person to have around around the place. I, I, as, as I say, I, I just think that if we look at the defence in its entirety, there's a big 12 months coming up. We're just starting to put a different spin on it. They've done that in the attack now. Midfield starting to look healthier. But across the whole defence, I think you, you maybe look at it and go, that, that, that might need to be a key, a key priority in upcoming windows. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And like we said, you know, it couldn't all be done in, in one window. Um, we know the reasons why. Fingers crossed over the next 12 months or so, things look that bit, bit brighter once again. But a, a big couple of weeks, obviously, for Everton, um, as we currently speak, given what is potentially going on with this, obviously, the, the hearing and uh, potential takeover and, and things like that. But the important thing for us, obviously, as fans, tomorrow, Anfield, we're going for a, a set of set of draws, whatever way they, they want to come. Uh, fingers crossed we can get something from the game. And we'll be back ourselves on Sunday to look back on the uh, on the Merseyside derby. Many thanks to, to Paddy as well for, for jumping on today. Uh, really appreciate that as well. Um, and we will catch you, as I say, Sunday to look back on the Merseyside derby. Let's hope, fingers crossed, for a, a positive result. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.